0: Sagemont Church is a gathering of Christian believers in the southeast area of Houston, Texas. Today's message is from our senior pastor, Dr. John Morgan. I want you to open your Bible to 2 Chronicles 16th chapter. And let me just kind of uh, bring you up to date. God has been at work in Sagemont Church for almost 49 years. We've had a wonderful, wonderful journey and have seen thousands and thousands of people come to know the Lord and have been able to participate in missions all over the world. But there's no question in my mind, knowing the scripture and watching, not knowing what's going on except watching what's going on in our world today, and understand that things are moving towards a prophetic end. If you watched television this week you saw story after story. Breaking news, breaking news, breaking news. Whatever your channel, Breaking news, breaking news. Alert, 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 alert. And the death continues to climb in India. Earthquakes. If you go back a few months ago the land was burning up with fire. The volcanoes are erupting. The earth is cracking. The hurricanes rip through in the last 10 years. All of these natural calamities here and around the world. Being a person raised in, in Houston is strange to me when there starts being earthquakes in Dallas and Fort Worth. That's a little bit too close for comfort. I thought that was on the other side of the globe. But all of this has a purpose and a plan it all ties into what we're gathered with here today. And that is that God said this is going to happen, but he said I've got a plan. God's plan was to redeem those who wanted to be redeemed, to save those who were wanted to be saved. It was a choice of man, but from the time that Adam and Eve sinned and sin came into the world, we got a problem. We are born with a problem. And if that problem's not solved, we are going to be the victims both now and eternally. Even in the area of finances. Because God's people don't understand it. They're in the, in the ways of the world and the way the world operates. And so they're in bondage just like the world is in bondage. And so as I speak to you today, I want you to understand that God's word is more relevant today than ever before as we began to move towards those times when the Lord's coming back now in the meantime there is something that we're going to continue talking about now we've gone through if you're here for the first time we we uh, moved towards Easter we had a resurrection awakening from Good Friday all the way through Easter we brought in some of the great preachers of our generation and singers and so forth and we just praise the Lord and God opened heaven I want you to look at your bulletin today. I think there's 36 last Sunday. We've seen that every Sunday since Resurrection Awakening of people being saved, all ages, all backgrounds. And God is at work in this place. Now, how that fits in is that God has a plan and the plan is called a church. Before he went back to heaven, we went all the way from the, from the crucifixion the res- to the burial, to the resurrection, to the 40 days that Jesus was on the earth. And then he ascended up into the heavens and left the Holy Spirit here for the church and for the people of God to be empowered with power from on high, not from commercial power, not from the world's power, but from spiritual power on high, God established his church he cautioned that there would not be, at the time of his coming, many left that would stay with God's plan, that even the churches would start going adrift. And instead of the churches impacting the world to bring them to the cross, the church would identify the world and would, uh, so to speak, just join that side and then narrow is the gate that leads to eternal life. Few there are that find it, it kind of all comes into play. Now, today, the message is we're going to, we've got out of the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's an Gospels. gospel. We let all the guys tell their story. Matthew told his, Mark, Luke, John. Now, Luke goes on to write the Acts. Acts, okay? <clears throat> now we have an opportunity to move to the next step. Jesus did everything he came to do. It is finished. The only thing that's not finished is what's the church going to do. Jesus chose in Matthew, as I'll show you in just a moment, in the 16th chapter, that his plan would be to put together a bride, a family, a body, call it a church. That church would be endued with power that biblical church would and that church would impact the entire world and then the Lord is coming back again so listen carefully I'll stop the message when my time is gone and pick it up next week if the Lord comes back I don't know who's going to do the preaching I hope that uh, uh, not any of you will even be here so we won't even need to meet next week all right But I want you to pay very, very close attention. This is not rocket scientist stuff. When you get down to the scripture, I just want all of you to know that you you don't have to be a genius, but you do have to walk by faith and understand like a child that listens to authority. I'm not the authority. He is the authority, and this is the authority. So would you listen very carefully and uh, if you do not have a Bible there will be some scripture up on the screen and you just follow along. I'm entitling the message today God is looking for a people. You remember there was some culling. Judas left and then several of the disciples didn't show up after the, uh, after the crucifixion. There's been that dropout all the way into the beginning of Acts and there's been this one left this one left this one had something else to do that one decided they weren't willing to pay the price and so they dropped out. So there's somewhat of a reorganization begins to take place in Acts. But before I I get to Acts chapter 1 let me go back to 2 Chronicles 16th chapter 9th verse when again the people had began to fall away and they relied on the king of Syria and not the Lord. That's what set this scripture up. And so here's The ninth verse of 2 Chronicles 16 and 9. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. Now think about that. As I read to you from Matthew 16 and 18. Jesus Choosing Peter the fisherman. The toughest guy in the bunch. The most independent spirited guy. Guy that you didn't know what he was going to do from one minute to the other. Had all kinds of problems staying with his commitment to the Lord. And here's what he says in Matthew 16, 18. And I, Jesus, say unto you, Peter, you are Peter. And upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail Against it. That's scary. Now we open the book of Acts. First chapter. Eighth verse. Now it begins to move in our direction. Pendulum begins to turn. All this pressure is down on Peter. All this uh, situations if you please. Now listen to what it says in the eighth verse of Acts 1. But you church shall receive power. After the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you church will be witnesses unto me. Both in Jerusalem, you could substitute Houston. In all Judea, you could substitute Texas. And in Samaria, you could substitute the USA and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Did you hear that? You shall receive power. My question is, do you have it? How, how strong are you against temptation? How much does it take to push your worldly button? <laughs> How long can you say, I'm not taking another word of it. I know I've been baptized, born again, believer, and can quote John three sixteen. But I'm fixing to just bust your nose if you don't back off, you know. And all of a sudden you find yourself acting like the world and wondering why the world doesn't follow your Savior. We've got to talk about that this morning. When somebody uses the word church, Around you, or when you were, when you use the word church, what are the first thoughts that come in your mind? Building, cross, big, white, one seventy foot. Meetings, preaching, Bible study, student ministry, senior adult ministry, financial aid, pay my light bill, get some groceries, get my car fixed, programs, program for my kids, program for my teenagers, mission trips. All that stuff is good and part of it. But that's not what the Lord wants to hear. Upon this rock I will build my church. Empowered by the Father, Son and Holy Spirit. That church will have one purpose. And whatever else it does. The purpose of that ought to be to get folks to the Lord Jesus Christ. If it doesn't do that. It profits little. If it does do that. It fulfills the great commission. And it prepares. Those that have heard and seen. The living proof of a loving God to a watching world. It prepares them. For that appointed day. When the Bible says. It is appointed unto all men once to die. And after this the judgment. But between now and then and the sweet by and by and we got to live in the nasty now and now and we have got to understand that in the nasty now and now the church should be full of the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit which lives in the lives of the people who have been filled with the Holy Spirit and the blessings of God and the power of God and the love of God is upon them now when that happens when that happens let me tell you something When the Holy Spirit comes upon the individual believer it becomes contagious. All of a sudden it begins to move across and all of a sudden the church becomes the thing that it was put here to do. No one can understand the purpose and the power of the church unless they know the purpose and the power of Jesus. You don't know what a church is regardless of your background, unless you know who Jesus is and why he said, I'll build my church and my church will stand against the powers of darkness. But if you don't know Jesus, you have no idea what he's talking about. And I think those of you that are not believers, those of you that are not members of churches, those of you that could care less where there were any churches in Houston or anywhere else in the world, I think you have a right to know what a church is before anyone asks you to join it or become a part of it. I think you deserve that right. I think for us to con you and and let you think that, well, all you got to do is just say a prayer, get baptized, live happily ever after, not going to happen. That's not the way life is. The devil is no respecter for purpose of, of, of persons. Jesus was attacked by Satan. Jesus wept. Jesus was lonesome. Jesus was crucified. Jesus was spit upon. Jesus was not respected. Jesus had disciples that owed him their life and they literally turned their back on him. You see, that's not what the church is, but a lot of us think that it is. Well, the story continues. Look at Luke uh, and you remember in Matthew 28, 19, 20, we talked about that last week, had the same word. You, you'll go make disciples, baptize them, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Lo, I'll be with you always, even to the end of the age. He said the same thing Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost part of the world. Now look at Luke 24. Then he, Jesus said to them, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you. Now listen, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the laws of Moses. That goes back a long way. The prophets, the psalms concerning me did you know that all those those books talk about jesus in the old testament it was all preparing people for the coming messiah all right and he opened their understanding that they might understand the scriptures the scriptures then he said to them thus is it thus it is written and thus it was necessary for christ to suffer to rise from the dead on the third day, that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem, and you are witnesses of these things. That's the church. He used words like sin. He used words like repentance. He he used words about that were strong in authority. If you're going to be my church, this is what you're going to do. Anything else is not a New Testament church. So Jesus planted the church. Then he chose, then he chose to, with the person of the Holy Spirit, which he left behind for us individually, he said, now the individual Christians are going to need the Holy Spirit, but the church is going to need the Holy Spirit. Collectively, when we all put the body together, he still is the head of the church. Christ is the head of the church. Now he comes into all of this, And that's the way it started. Now, let me let you in on a little insight here. The purpose of the church has never changed. Nor will the New Testament church ever change until Jesus comes back. I don't know about your church, this church, that church, or whatever church, but the church that he established will never change. The priority will always be the authority of Scripture. And whosoever will may come and drink of the water of life freely. That every sin can be forgiven and forgotten and remembered no more. And that is the church. It's called the bride of Christ, the body of Christ, the family of God. And the church receives its power, its its, uh, authority, its programs, its purpose from him from him not what I want not what you might want but what he demands now in Acts 1 15 120 people began to change the world and their culture just think about that 120 people in the 15th verse of Acts 1 it says in those days Peter stood in the midst of the disciples and said the number of names uh, were 120 of them that's how many he was preaching to and then all of a sudden 3,000 people come can you imagine the visitation program the next week in that church? Man, the legs of those believers had to be going everywhere. You know, said, let's hold off church for another six months because we can't, we can't catch them. They're going everywhere. But there was power there. From this uneducated fisherman preaching out of the power of the Holy Spirit and God showing up, all of a sudden, on the day of Pentecost, 3,000 people got saved. Now... Let me keep this simple, relevant, but with biblical authority. There's two things necessary for you to be a member of a church, for sure. Number one, you got to be born again. you got to be born again. Now, you said I don't even know what that means. You're at the right place to find out what it means. It means that old things pass away and, and, and you, you die to an old life and you're raised to walk a new life. That's what the symbol of the baptism is. We're buried in Christ in baptism unto death. We're raised to walk in a new life. Now every person, I don't care what your denominational label is, you say, do you think that group's going to go to heaven or that group, what do you think about them? It doesn't matter the denominational name It has to do with, have you ever been born again? Have you ever realized that you're a sinner and you've got to have a brand new life because now your desire is to sin, but when you are born again, your desire is to live as God wants you to live and when you sin... You no longer enjoy sin. Now, the way we try to say it here is after you, after you become a believer, you will sin again. But after you become a believer, you have enjoyed your last sin. Never again will you enjoy sin when God comes to move in your life. Never, 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 never. And the very fact you say, you know, I'd rather do a whole lot of things than come to church, pray or whatever. Got a problem. You got a problem. Got a problem. Because when you're born again, you love God more than you love the things of the world. And being spirit-filled is very, very important. But let me say this to you real quickly so, so you don't lose me here. A lot of people don't know what it means to be spirit-filled. People always ask me about spiritual gifts. How many, how many gifts do you think there are? Because they won't start up arguments, you know. I know what they're looking for. Let me tell you about spiritual gifts real quick. It doesn't take me very long. I say this all the time, but I'm afraid one person had not heard it. God can give any gift to anybody any of his kids, in any dispensation, that he wants to. He's God, and we're not. So he can give what he wants to give, right? You agree with that? Sure. But let me tell you what happens. When God gives a gift, a real gift, Satan counterfeits the gift. That's just the way he is. He's counterfeited. He's an imposter. He wants people to bow down and worship him. He's not worthy of worship. He's an imposter. So he gives out gifts. Well, people just go to church and don't know what the Bible teaches. They just, well, I'll have anything. If it's a gift, I'll take it. If it's free, Now sign me up. I want one, you know. I want to get that. So you've got to know the real gift from the, from the counterfeit gift. It's real easy to tell. A real gift will come from God. It will glorify God. And it will bring unity to his body, his bride called the church. That's a real gift. A counterfeit gift will bring Not glory to God. It'll bring shame to God. It'll bring attention to the person that says they have the gift and it'll split the church right down the middle. Real gifts are always welcome in a biblical church. Counterfeit gifts should never be tolerated because they're farce. And let me tell you one of the ways you can know. If you've got to tell people what your spiritual gift is, you probably don't have it. (laughs) If you think you've got the gift of teaching... Well, you try teaching, let the people listen to you, see if you've got the gift of teaching, all right? If you've got the gift of helps, let them tell you whether you're helping them or they're in your way. Just don't go around telling everybody. That's a counterfeit gift. A real gift, they see Jesus instead of you, all right? Now, in John 3, it said, Yes, except a man be born again. That's what he told Nicodemus. But from that moment, Nicodemus' life, my life, your life, Listen, they gave their life to serving God and ministering to others. Others, 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 others. The world is about me. Christianity is about others. It's about him. Lord, what would you have me to do? Not what is everybody else doing in my generation. What would you have me to do? And Lord... I want you to bless this one, and this one, and this one, and this one. And I will make it on what you've given me. But God, if you want to bless me so I can bless them, that's fine. But Lord, I, you have blessed me. You've done exceedingly abundantly above all that I could think or ask. But those that are religious, but they want themselves to look good, or they want all things for themselves, have got a spiritual problem. ...that needs attention. Matthew 20, 28. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto... ...but to minister and to give his life as a ransom for what? Many. That's the church, folks. We're here to touch this community, this city, this state, this nation. Our world. That's the church. Well, Paul spoke with a broken heart when he said in 2 Corinthians 12, 15 and I will gladly spend and be spent for you though the more abundantly I love you the less I am being loved that goes with it folks you know sometimes you tell people the truth they don't appreciate it some people when you love love them unconditionally they want to take advantage of it that's all right. they did the same thing to Jesus did the same thing to Paul we don't have to fight against that don't worry about that turn them over to the Lord a lot of people choose not to have children because they'll interrupt how they spend their time and their money just an absolute fact they'll abort a child for that reason I don't want you messing up our schedule we got money we got fame we got fortune we got time we got our health we're going to see the world you know and these kids you know they'll, they'll mess us up on our schedule that's, that's a travesty we need to seek holiness for God's glory and to help others come to know Jesus and to love Jesus Here's what Paul said in, in 1 Corinthians 9, To the weak I became as weak, that I might win the weak. I become all things to all men, that by all means I might save some. Those of us that have been around a long time sing a song, He Touched Me. Oh, He Touched Me. Oh. And those that are saved, you've been touched. I've been touched. But... The problem is, we stop there. As long as we're getting touched, we don't care if anybody else gets touched. But he wants to touch others. He wants the people on the other side of the globe to be saved, and he wants your next-door neighbor to be saved. That's what he wants. What do you want? Well, I just don't want to interfere with them. I'm just afraid that I might hurt their feelings. Don't worry about that. Just do what the Lord has said for you to do. But when we get older and older, we get more set in our ways. And you know when I look at these kids up here and I'll look at them again in a few minutes, you know what I worry about? I I worry that those of us that are getting older have become or will become so set in our ways that our actions cause those that are younger to reject our Savior and our Lord. If you don't know what keeps a preacher awake at night, that's one of the things. A lot of these kids come to Sagemont, they've never heard or know a thing about Jesus. All they know is, and many of them have gone to school where they were not only taught, they weren't taught how to think, they were taught what to think. And they weren't taught by their teachers what to think. They were taught by their peers. And they fight in an uphill battle. A lot of them don't get any help at home. They don't get any help from examples in, in a lot of phases of, of life. They ought to see something when they come to church. They ought to see an unconditional love of older people towards younger people. And that ought to be returned from younger people to older people. But I want you to notice something in the scriptures. Jesus touched every age group. You remember the young boy, about 10 years old, the fish and the bread? I don't see many 10 years old who want to share their lunch with me, just quite frankly. I've, I've seen them, you know, when you give them something and, you know, you give them 10 pieces of candy, try to get one back and you better have a concealed something. I don't know, you know, because that's my lunch that's my stuff you know God changed that little boy he used Dr. Luke right Luke a physician Matthew was a government employee he was a tax collector Paul was a brilliant educated intellectual Jew Peter was a man's man fisherman John was kind compassionate quiet spirit everybody loved John he got personality of the year man of the year freshman class president sophomore class president I mean he was everything John Mark he was a teenager there was the first streaker in the Bible you'll have to go back and read that story Mary was a pure teenage girl that never knew a man and was given the responsibility as a teenager, literally, to bring the Messiah into this world. Joseph was a carpenter, rugged, tough, and we could go on and on. You'll find your place in the Bible, every one of you. You find out what you really are and you'll find somebody in the Bible just like you, just like you. You might start with Job. You know, if you've gone through all kinds of bad things in your life, you might read the book of Job, or Job. If you you come to Job, you found Job, okay? (laughs) Read the story, all right? (laughs) But every one of them, every one of them had a radical change in their life. One. Why? Because they met God. They met God personally. And their whole life changed for better. Job, everything he lost, it was doubled. Isn't that awesome? And God gives those that die eternal life. But all of them had to give up something to follow Jesus. They all had to make radical adjustments in their life. Same thing is true with us. But the biggest handicap to the church being what God wants it to be and accomplishing what God wants it to accomplish, I'm sorry, but it's the undisciplined lives of those who claim to be Christians. And they're not. No discipline whatsoever. Get as close as we can get and still save faith and then move on to the next temptation. You know, when a person invites Jesus into their life, they're baptized into the family of God, they're not professing to be better than others, they're just simply saying, I am buried with Christ in baptism unto death. I am buried with Christ. I'm burying the old life. And I'm raised to walk a new life. By the grace of God. That's what it is. And that's only what it is. It's just a public announcement. That I have chosen to follow Jesus with my mind. My body. My personality. My gifts. My soul. I'm following him and we have a reason first corinthians 6 For you are bought with a price listen to this paul's saying to those people in corinth you are bought with a price therefore glorify god in your body and your spirit which are gods both of them our bodies to glorify god our spirit is to glorify god what's outside glorifies god what's inside glorifies god because we are bought with a price and we belong to god now where do we plug in and by the way we don't plug in like this We plug in like this. We all stand on level ground at the foot of the cross. We all are important to God. The individual is important just like the masses are important. And the person that lives in a town in America where a church is on every corner, they should have an opportunity to hear the gospel, but so should a person that's never heard the name of Jesus or any of his kinfolks ever heard of the name of Jesus or none of his friends ever heard the name of Jesus they have a right to hear but the only way they're going to hear is for us to go and to take it to them and in the early church every believer committed themselves to the work of the ministry Ephesians 3:11. according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him man you'd ask me well what are we going to do Solve all this mess that's going on in our world today. I don't have any ideas, but I do have the book that's got the ideas. And I know a God that can bring it to happen. And I think if I know this book and humble myself and pray and seek God's face and you join with me, I think we can impact the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. But we can't play on both sides of the fence. You can't go and change jerseys at half and play the first half for God and the second half for the devil. Choose you this day who you're going to serve. Choose what team you're going to be on. you either for me or against me. That's what he says. It sounds, makes sense to me. When you get married, they say, until death do us part. Well, we want a one to reach one and then reach another one and another one and another one and another one. Because you're the preacher. You're the teacher. You're, you're this or you're that. It's not one plus one plus one. One reaches one. And then two reaches one. And four reaches one and then eight and then then on and on. And in six steps you're about 32 instead of just one, 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 one. Everybody going everywhere carrying the gospel. Well let me close real quickly by telling you a story. In the middle of the 19th century a group of people began to come together. They recognized that there was something wrong with what was called the state church the state church was very formal had all kinds of rituals all kinds of do's and don'ts and a group came together and they began to recognize that something's wrong and it caused them grave concern and so they came together they didn't come together because they didn't believe in drinking or dancing or gambling that's not what brought them together they came together because they recognized that there was something that the church was supposed to be doing and it wasn't doing it had just become a formal institution and those things did not look good at all because the church looked like the world in the 19th century and these came out they didn't know a whole lot of theology But they knew you must be born again. (laughs) They knew that Jesus died for all people. They they knew that if you confess your sin, he's faithful and just to forgive you your sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness and give you a life everlasting, fill you with the Spirit now so you'd have power over the devil and take you to heaven when you die. They believed all that stuff. But you know what? Years began to pass. That group of Christians that came together in the 19th century, began to change. And they began to ignore the lost world gradually. More seriously, maybe at first, they began to become like the world, the membership. And they began to do the same things that the world was doing In the same way that the world was doing them, and when it ever came to push to shove, the world always got their vote. That church group today numbers 22 million. 22 million. 37% of those in that church group claim to attend church at least once a year. The other 43%, 53% do not attend at all. Less than one half of the church members of that 22 million give one dollar in a year to spread the gospel. Did you hear me? Less than a half give a dollar. It's just almost 50-50 now. Let me ask you a question. That being the case that only 37% go to church at least once a year, do Southern Baptists have a regenerate church membership? That's who I've just described to you. You know what we recognize as being? The most evangelical denomination on earth. God help us. God deserves better. Do you not agree with that? I think God needs better than 50% don't even report. 60% don't even give not 1 dollar, not 1 dollar. That's shocking. I hate to create problems, and not give you the answer. I do hear people mumbling. I hear people that are very upset about people wanting to come and live in America and join all and enjoy all the benefits of America and never take on any of the responsibilities to make it possible. I hear a lot of people that are opposed to that kind of thing. And I understand why. But what about the people in the church? They want everything the church has to offer. They want all the rewards that God promises to the faithful. But don't ask me to serve. Don't ask me to come. Don't ask me to give. I got my life to live. And I'm going to live it like I want to live it. And ladies and gentlemen that are adults... And you have teenagers, our kids are suffering the result of moms and dads and grandparents that have left God to identify with our world. And except we repent, we're going to perish. But if we will come to the Lord and humble ourselves and pray and seek His face, He'll forgive our sins, He'll heal our land, and it'll start by healing our churches to where our preachers And our teachers are not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And to tell sinners, you are lost, but in the same breath. I don't even have to take another breath. You are lost, but thanks to Calvary, you can be born again. You can be saved by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. We can minister to people, and we must continue to. We must feed the hungry, heal the sick, take care of the dying. But in the midst of this, we must tell them about Jesus and show them that a Jesus changed my life. There's got to be a church somewhere. There's got to be a denomination somewhere. And I believe that I know where it is. I believe that the Sage My Church in Houston has prepared itself for its greatest days in the next 50 years to where this church, on the foundation on which it is built, it has never compromised the gospel in this pulpit. Not the pastor, not anybody else that has ever stood here. We believe Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. That all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But we have been washed in the blood. If we would just ex- accept the sacrifice that whosoever will can come and drink of the water of life freely. Red, yellow, black, and white, they're all precious in God's sight. God does not care anything about where you come from or what, where you're going in the flesh. He does know why he put you here and he has a plan for your life. And so I asked you today. As I just close the message, I'm gonna pick up next week on where we're gonna get any power. You pray for me. But I'm gonna challenge you as you go home today to look closely and see: is Jesus Lord of your life? Has He has He spoken to you and convicted you that you are surrounded? These college kids, these kids gonna to go to college? Their whole fraternities. You look what's happening on the fraternity. Their whole dorms. I don't care what school they go to, even if it's a Christian university, it is filled with kids that need to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. But how can we ask God to bless them if we don't do the same thing as being living proof of a loving God to a watching world? So we got to go. But I want you to pray this week. I want you to see God this week for you. As I am doing for me. Lord what would you have us to do? I am thrilled. And I believe right now with heads bowed and eyes closed. No one looking around. There are people here in this auditorium. That if I knew you well enough. And I, I don't know who you know. And what you know. But I would probably have to apologize. And say I, I'm, I'm sorry. God loves those people that have not been a good example to you. And let you down. And you know their life and you know how they live and they claim to be Christians and baptized and members of the church, maybe even my Church. I apologize for that. Maybe there's things in my life that you've seen and, and I need to ask your forgiveness for that. But I'll tell you one thing, you won't find any fault in Jesus. And the thing is between you and Jesus. not between, It's not a pinball machine where you bounce off of other people. But I hope for those that have never had the pleasure of telling somebody how much God loves them, whatever age they might be, that God wants them to come home, come home, come home. I've got an eternity plan for you. But in the meantime, I've got a place for you to be a witness for me. As we sing this invitation, I surrender all. We open up a big lobby back here that you have not seen. It's off the main lobby. No one was in there when you came in. But it stretches all the way across under the terrace that I'm pointing to. You can go out the door to my right and turn left or go out to this door to my left and turn right. And there are people that are stepping in there right now to be prepared to pray with you and talk to you. Now, don't be afraid of that place. There's more love there per square inch than anywhere on this campus. But there's three things. Number one, they'll ask you what decision you want to make. Maybe your decision is, I want to give my heart to Jesus. i don't be like those ten people that were baptized today. Nine in this service, one in the other. I want, to be, I want Jesus in my life. That's my decision. I don't understand. I don't know how to put in words, but I know I'm a sinner, and I want Jesus coming into my life. He's welcome. I want him to take my life. Number two, you could say, I am a believer, but I've never had believer's baptism. I'm like some of those folks I'm seeing baptized. I've never had believer's baptism by immersion, the way that the Lord's Word teaches it. I want to do that. That's what you need to tell him. Number three is, I'm a baptized believer, I've kind of let the church go. I've been hurting the church so many times and I've seen preacher from another standpoint. I wasn't lost. I was saved. But I just kind of dropped out. Got embarrassed. And you say, I need to get a church home because i will become just like them if I'm not careful. So you just simply say, I want to put my roots down and sage my church. I feel something here from the Holy Spirit that the deacons, the staff, the pastor, the leadership of the lay people are leading this church to be living proof of a loving God to a watching world, and I want to be a part of it. Our Heavenly Father, I pray now as we sing that people will respond under the leadership of the Holy Spirit. And it's in your name, in the name of Jesus I pray, amen. We pray that today's message has brought you to a closer relationship with Jesus Christ. Join us Sundays at 9.30 and 11 a.m. at Sagemont Church in the Worship Auditorium. For more information, check us out at www.sagemontchurch.org.